Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast where three buddies discuss comics from their childhood and today. I'm Kirk. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. I'll skip how we're doing this week because Ryan looks like he's peachy. I am doing really well now. That's good to hear. How's things going for you, Nick? Oh, it's great. Great? It's so great. Yeah. I get yeah. to work from home now. Yeah. I'm working from home, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most fun ever. Yep. So, uh, so this week we'll be discussing Cable number one, and to continue women creators in comics, a menagerie. Uh, we, each, we each picked a issue to do by Gail Simone. So, who wants to go first? What are we doing, Cable? Let's do Cable so we can... Alright, let's get Cable out of the way. Alright. Alright. I want to hear Ryan's. I want to hear what he has to say, because... Then we'll talk about... Stuff. So, Cable, yeah. Um, we got the same cover. Scotty Young. So this is a young Cable, not to be confused with X-Man, because, you know, why do we need multiple Cables? Well, they just did an X-Man run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I read it. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I didn't expect to enjoy it at all, and it was actually decent. Um, I didn't recognize some of the characters, but I, I like how at the beginning they kind of tell you who's who. Who's in the book? Bu- who's actually going to be in the book? Yeah. Who's the samurai with the red X? That's uh, it's Silver Samurai. Silver Samurai from Wolverine. When did he get the red X? When did he get the red eyes? And when was he a mutant? He looks like he's possessed. Because um... <laughs> is he just a walking suit of armor now? I think he is. Because he wasn't a mutant in, in the no. Wolverine books or X-Men. So, one of the things the X-Men books do, or they have these pro writings in the middle of it a little bit, kind of giving you more information. I'm not a fan of that. Kirk and I were just discussing it. Uh, and Cable does have a little bit of that, but there is a part where they are battling at the beginning in an arena-type setting, and they do have the records of It gives you the one-loss record. That, I'm cool with. Yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. That was pretty neat. Um, there wasn't a lot of that, so I I appreciated it. Um, downside is, I don't know why Wolverine has to be in every book that's tied to an X-Men book, still, uh, because he made an appearance in this. But, um, I think it has to do with, cause he's connected to the summers now. He's having a, having a, uh, polyamorous relationship with Gene and Scott. Yeah. Um, you know, there is a character that is very similar in my opinion to Rom. Um, we'll see what Nick has to say about that. But then they did the whole lion with the thorn in his paw type deal um is an interesting take i would have probably liked a little bit different story on finding the, what they ever found but um because it had nothing to do with the lion yeah um you know but overall i thought it was really good you know i'll probably pick up the second issue and see how it goes 
and hopefully it does better than a lot of the Xbooks where I picked up a second issue and went, nope, not for me. So, um, Jerry Duggan wrote this, and I like a lot of what he does. He has a sense of humor to him, and that helps the books for me a little bit, too. He is also doing Marauders. So. Yeah, I, I knew he did Marauders, and I had a hard time getting into I mean, I dug the first issue. I read the second issue, and I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. I know you love Marauders. I love it. And it, that's the one book I can't wait for for the month. And that's great. I mean, no, yeah. I appreciate the fact that you like it. I just, for me, it's not not my thing. Yeah. But uh, the crab thing at the end, mm-hmm. that was weird. With Old Man Cable? Yeah. Spoilers. Old Man Cable shows up at the end. So Time Traveler shows up at the end of it. <laughs> Hmm. A talking crab with powers, apparently, and Cable's like talking yeah. about his sovereignty Boom. and his rights, and so yeah. For me, you know, I thought it was decent. So what I thought was cool with it is the the nods to old Marvel, like Monster Island, like Kurokoa takes over Monster Island, and if you know old Fantastic Four, that's where the Mole Man, yep, went and exiled himself was on Monster Island, and he took it over. And then you have the Space Knights from Galador in here. So, Is that a real thing? Is that, that... that is what Rom was. Okay. Rom was a Space Knight from Galador. So I wasn't off on thinking that that was more of a nod towards a Rom yes. type thing. Okay. Which I'm not quite sure how that works, because Marvel doesn't own the rights to Galador anymore. Or Marvel does own the rights to Galador. They just can't use Rom. But they can, or the, it's weird, because when they created Rom, they had to create the whole backstory for him. So Marvel might own everything that was created for Rom for the comics, except for the Dire Wraiths and that character. Right. So they, Marvel probably still owns the Space Knights and all that backstory. So this is really weird, because they find a Space Knight sword in a monster for Monster Island. And Cable gets a vision from it. And then the Space Knights wake up. <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> Where, Who knows? Where's this going? Um, so I was looking over that official win-loss record in the, the uh, arena. And if you read some of the names, it's kind of awesome. Artie versus Leech. Mm-hmm. And Dazzler versus Jubilee. And Magma versus Firestar. Yeah, I don't play that. I think Firestar would beat her. I think so too. One has microwaves, one has fire. Nightcrawler versus Blink. Yeah. Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, not a real I'm... list without Maggot. Yeah. Well <laughs> she's coming. Um And why didn't Wolvesbane fight Feral? Feral. Because Feral's dead. No, she's not. They can bring her back. They haven't brought her back yet. They should. Bringing that weird, crazy... They, on, they only brought Rob her... hair back. They only brought her into X-Force because Wolfsbane left. And how come Callisto fights a lot? Because she's the badass of Krakoa. What's her power? But she fights wusses. Jumbo, Carnation, Fish, Pyro. I can't remember. She, uh, she works for Emma Frost. She's like Emma Frost's, like, uh... 
spy agent type of thing. Hmm. So, I was not sure I was going to like this until uh, Old Man Cable showed up. Because I don't like Young Cable. Um, but I am excited to see where it goes. And how he's a dumbass. Hey dad, look, I found a sword. It's really light. And Cyclops is like, it's really light for... <laughs> so... I did not like that artwork. I hate the artwork. Thank when, you. When Cyclops comes out from the cave... Yeah, and that's it, horrible. It... I don't know. That, that was, was the only page that really bothered me. I hated the whole book. The it's artwork just... in the whole book. I'm not a fan of the art style. And then but... it switches to Old Man Cable. The art style completely switches. Yeah. And that's when I was like, is this a backup story or what is this? Yeah, no. Old Man Cable's back. It was very weird. Yeah. I liked the book. I did like the book a lot. But... Like Ryan said, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna give it a couple more. Give it issue two and three. Yeah. I did pick up year two or season two of Green Lantern, and I quickly put it back down. It is insane. Did you read it, Ryan? Oh I, my god! I was. I have not, heart. but that's fine. It took a long time to get through this book, just it like did. the first one. But the first one had a payoff. This one. I still haven't finished the book. Whoa. I closed it halfway through. It's like when you read the, read the first issue and you're like, okay, he's going back to planet Earth. Yeah. What planet Earth are you on? Yeah, which one? Because this... <laughs> no, God, it's weird. So, okay. yeah, it was... What do we give the the cable? Uh, four. I'll give it a four. Four? It'd be better if the art was better. It would be. It would be a four or... Four and a half, five, if it, if the art was better. I usually really love Phil Noto, and this one, he kind of just fell flat for me. For me, he's, he's mean, good for covers. Yeah, but for a whole book, it's just kind of like he just kind of got lazy. He is McFarlane. He's he's good for yeah, good for a cover, especially those old Birds of Prey covers. Yeah, but this one was just like, hmm. Yeah, it, the art wasn't great. It didn't really bother me all that much because I've seen stuff that's a lot worse. I've actually read stuff this week that was a lot worse. But overall, I mean, for me, it's I, the reason I'm leaning towards a four on it is I did enjoy the story and everything. But then it's also a X book, and I'm fully expecting it to just go to another place that, which you you like, Kirk, but for me, not my thing they send a oh this is a great story oh wait now we're gonna really screw you up and do something completely different than the second issue and none of it makes sense to me i, I don't like that either <laughs> but hopefully it doesn't do that hopefully it takes that i think the old man old man cable was just a teaser like foreshadowing I don't think it's going to pay off until later, or they could just blow their wad and put him in the next issue to try to drive sales. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So now we're going to move on to Gail Simone. I'll go first because I had the shortest Gail Simone comic book probably known to man. 
I did. I borrowed uh, New Fifty Two Batgirl number one, and uh, I liked it. It's. I was wondering how they made it to where she can walk again. Was it Bruce Wayne that helped her walk again? This was the part that really messed everything up because when New 52 came out, it was kind of like resetting the whole deal. Yeah. And there was never really a nod to how she started walking again, and people got really upset with it because they liked her as Oracle. I like her um, as Oracle. No, she was fantastic as Oracle. I think she's a fantastic character either way. It doesn't matter. Um, and they did have to finally address that in later issues on what happened. Okay. And I can't, I'm sorry, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've read it. Sure. But, um, yeah, they, they did have to kind of give it a nod because they had so many people throw a fit about it. And well, I understand that. Well, I guess I... Um, good that this is a few years old because yeah. it didn't affect me either way. I was just like, oh, cool, she's walking again. Right. Right? So this book deals with her being able to walk and um, in the beginning she fights some thugs and she's like, I like the inner dialogue that she had. She's like, oh, I'm rusty. Too rusty, you know. And she's laughing at the guy, at the at the people, at the kid. And then she talks about how she has to pee, and I'm like, "That's so human." Mm-hmm. She's like, she's really a human. She's not just a superhero. She's a human being. I really got to pee, and it would have been better. And spandex is hard to get off when you got to pee. <laughs> but um, and it it just showed how she's dealing with being able to walk again. She moves out of. Was she living with Commissioner Gordon while she was? I want to say yes. That was from 2000. But, that was a heck of a long time ago. <laughs> so I, no, I'm not. I, right. I, I was just curious. I, I, you get the idea that she was. And if I remember out, right, I think she was. Yeah. And she moves out and she's, you know, getting a place of her own. And she has a roommate that works nights so she can be Batgirl at night. And it just shows she wakes up from a nightmare of the Joker mm-hmm. killing her again. And the kid that she arrested, there's a guy named Mirror. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Because he's going around killing scum. Right. You know? And he shows up at the hospital to finish what should have happened. And he shoots both the cops. Or kills one of the cops, and the other cop is like, take him out, take him out. And the guy, Mirror, points directly at her spine, just like Joker, the Joker did, and she freezes. And I'm like... And the girl... The guy, the guy ends up getting killed. And... The cop is like, you let him kill him, you murderer. And I'm like, that was a human reaction. To what happened. It's showing that she wasn't. This perfect ready to go back. She still has trauma. She has to deal with. And I thought it was really awesome. How she dealt with that. All the way through the book. And then there was a pivotal moment. Where she needed to act. And because the guy was pointing a gun at her. 
she couldn't act and that's probably the most human i've actually seen a superhero written gail simone's really good with that that's why i've enjoyed pretty much everything she's ever written that i've read i want to read more yeah i'm giving this a five i enjoyed it it was a quick read it was really quick but i got what i needed in that quick amount of time it got me to where i wanted wanted right. it to take me in a short period and that's why i thought you probably would like that one because i really enjoyed that run yeah that this is really good i highly recommend it so cool awesome all right i'll go okay um i did secret six number one of six from july 2006 this comes after the villains united storyline and this is a lot like not Doom Patrol, but I'm thinking of. They made a movie. Um, Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but this group has some crazy characters in it. So it's got uh, Knockout, Ragdoll, Catman, Deadshot, Scandal Savage, and Jeanette. Okay. Did you just say Scandal Savage? Uh huh. Right. Not Vandal Savage? No. Vandal Savage is his daughter. Yeah. Scandal Savage. All right. Way to be creative on that name. Oh, yeah. She's well, actually probably one of the best characters in that book. <laughs> She's pretty Sorry. good. No. Um, so, what drew me to this was I used to get a lot of the DC Who's Who's, and I was really interested in Catman. And trying to find a book with Catman in it was impossible back in the day. And finally. They decided, hey, Catman's a worthy character. Let's bring him back in with Villains United and put him in the Secret Six. He is... Everybody in this book is a complete a-hole, let's say. But he's like the conscience of the team. Right. Yeah. Um, for a villain, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Um, they're in North Korea, and Deadshot is captured, and so they go to capture... or go into this internment camp and rescue Deadshot, and they just destroy everybody in there. And then they kind of head home. And that's pretty much the story for this issue. Uh, but except for... Um, they're trying to recruit more, more people, and Catman goes out and looks for the Mad Hatter. It's crazy. Did you read any Secret Six after this? Actually, I didn't. Okay. But I'm going to. Because I, this was a big book for back in the day, and yeah. I really want to finish reading it. Because the characters are diverse. They've got a good mix of characters, like Bane shows up later, Harley Quinn shows up. Um, yeah, so I'm really interested in like reading it. I think she did a really good job. Cool. Definitely check out The Villains United as well, because that really leads into this and introduces those characters a little bit. Again, it's the sixth issue thing if i remember right and it's not overly expensive either that's the nice thing about these all right so i did a secret six as well and the second we talked about gail simone i knew i was going to do this one because i could talk about red sonia i could talk about bad girl i could talk about birds of prey and everything else because like i said i she's one of my favorite writers i pick up pretty much anything she writes because she's such a good storyteller now, the one I did was from the Secret Six run. It wasn't the miniseries. It was the first run that she did of Secret Six. And it's issue 16. 
And the reason I picked this is because this is probably top two favorite cover of all time. Uh, it's a picture of Black Alice sitting on the grave of Deadshot. And this is an amazing story. Um, I mean, Nick nailed it with kind of his description of what the team was. And um, at this point, Bane's actually a member of the team. Um, and kind of the leader, per se. And uh, Deadshot and Catman disguise themselves as policemen and go break out a criminal because they were hired to they were kind of like a pay to hire team or whatever and uh, breaks out this criminal and who happens to be a, a pedophile who killed all these kids and uh, one of the father's paid them to go get him so he could kill him. And Catman actually tells him how to kill him. <laughs> because he's like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, no, this is what you do. And um, Black Alice shows up. She wants to join a part, be a part of the team and she can take other, if she's ever heard of a mystic, she can t do their powers. And uh, Catman even asks her, he goes, well, if you have that power, why aren't you Spectre like 24-7? And she's like, well, my powers kind of flake in and out, so I don't know when they're going to just stop. But she's like, I really want to be a member of this team. And they're like, no. So she turns into Blue Devil and throws their car around and starts taking them all on. And they're like, yeah, you're good enough. Uh, you're in. So I can't talk enough about how fantastic the Secret Six run is, from Villain, Villains United all the way through. Gail, anything that her name is on, check it out. Um, I don't like Red Sonia. She got me liking Red Sonia because of what she was... It's like Kirk said. She, she makes the characters very human and interesting. So um, even if you're not into the Secret Six or uh, Batgirl or whatever, if you can find something that Gail Simone wrote, definitely just check it out because she she understands this she gets it and she writes it so you're it's a relatable story for you all right so we're not going to be doing a d-lister this week uh we're going to be doing a bio on the said author gail simone so take it away ryan all right so gail was born and raised in oregon she was a former hairdresser who studied theater in college. She first came into the fans' attention through a website called Women in Refrigerators, which was founded in 1999 by a small group of fans in response to Green Lantern number 54, where Alex DeWitt got stuffed into a refrigerator. It's 20 years later, and it's still too soon. <laughs> um... She then got work with Bongo Comics, scripting many of the comics based on The Simpsons. She then went over to Marvel to write Deadpool. And after a dispute with Marvel, she moved on over to DC, where she was given Birds of Prey on issue 56, which featured an all-female group of Oracle, Black Canary, The Huntress, and Lady Blackhawk. She took over Action Comics after that, 
And then she started really hitting it and doing Villains United and went into the Secret Six. In 2007, DC announced she would be uh, writing the third volume of Wonder Woman. 2010, she went back over to Birds of Prey. In 2011, she started the Batgirl series. Uh, she did introduce a character in that Batgirl series named Alyssa Yo, uh, who is later revealed to be transgender and the first major transgender character to be written in a contemporary context in mainstream comic books. Um, on December 9th of 2012, she revealed that she was fired from uh, Batgirl by the new editor, Brian Cunningham. And by December 21st, she was back writing Batgirl because the fans had a huge uproar. She went on to write uh, Red Sonia, Laura Croft, and a book called The Cleaning Room. And recently, she's been doing work with uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, the TV show. Awesome. It's kind of funny that you always hear about Marvel having disputes with very talented people. She's a very opinionated woman, and I think that that doesn't always sit well with some of the people that she works with, because... Marvel is a bunch of misogynists. Well, but I mean, even with DC, that that was a problem. But she's so forward-thinking, and yeah, it was a comic book. Green Lantern 56 was... Uh, 54, excuse me, was sure. a comic book. Uh, that, but I, again, we, Kirk and I had a long discussion about this a while back, um, where we kind of had our opinions on it and it, she put a different perspective on things of this is why it shouldn't be so, uh, man driven to move their character forward. It needs to kind of have to have a look at both sides. Right. And I think there's other ways that they could do that. Yeah. Now, with that being said, 54 is still one of my favorite issues because I remember that's when Kyle really lost his crap and you could see that he had that willpower to do what he needed to do. Now, could they have done that better? Probably. But, you know, that was that driving force. So you're saying she was an uppity woman. Sure. All right. So, uh... There's nothing going on at Krypton this week because the coronavirus has wiped out every event known to man. The shop is still open. The shop is still open. But uh, Planet Comic Con got postponed until the fall. They're supposed to be making an announcement on when that's going to reset for this year. Um, the Grand Comic Con in Grand Island has been postponed. Um, so everybody's just kind of walking on eggshells trying not to do anything that might get them sick. So the shop's still open. But please, if you are not feeling well, stay home. Skip the comics for a couple of weeks. Come back in a little bit later. Uh, because if you get those guys sick, then the shop won't be open and I we'll will be sad. We'll all be sad. <laughs> so Alright. Well that's what nice PSA we had right there. It's now time for everybody's segment. Favorite segment. The Random Reads. The Random Reads! <laughs> he did it this time. <laughs> um, How many you got? Well, since we did one of mine already, uh, none. You got a short box? No? We did Green Lantern, number two. <laughs> okay. How many you got? Two. All right, I got two. I'll go first. 
I picked up this week uh, Dollar Comics Flash number one Rebirth uh, by Jeff Johns. And I really enjoyed it, and it makes me want to go read some Flash again. I haven't read Flash for a while. Um, so basically what the book is about is the Justice League Justice League announces that the Flash has come back to life. And they're throwing parades and parties and... All kinds of stuff, and all Barry Allen can do is worry about how he doesn't have enough time. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. Throughout the whole book, that's what you get. He's walking through, talking to Hal, and he's like, I just don't have, there's no time for this. I don't have time to go, I gotta cancel the parties. And he puts on his Flash costume, and um, he has a flashback to when he was a kid, to when his mom was murdered. And he was racing a kid, and he chased after a cop car and couldn't catch it. And he was too slow back then, but now he's fast. Um, And then Savitar shows up from the... I'm going to get this. The Speed Force is what it's called? Okay. And... Uh, Wally West, they're at one of the parties, and his kids are fighting, and they just show the juxtaposition of the kid, him and his kids arguing about who's going to take blame for what happened, and then you see Barry Allen chasing after Savitar, and he's like, you've met my nephew, you know, but we haven't met, and as soon as he touches him, uh, Savitar says, no, let me go. And he says, you are the beginning, Alan, and you're the end. And he just turns into dust and bones. I'm like, well, that's not good. I want to read more. Give me more. Um, Jeff Johns, it was kind of a quick synopsis for this one. But Jeff Johns really knows how, really does understand these characters. So if they were to do a Flash movie, I would want him to do the Flash movie, even though he didn't do so well on the Green Lantern one. Yeah, maybe they should do a Flash show based off of Jeff Johns' Flash. Not so much him running around and screwing everything up. Yeah. I'm going to clarify something on that. If they went with Jeff Johns' original script for the Green Lantern movie... I know. I was just kidding. Please don't hurt me. I, I, I like the movie. Remember, you're in a safe space. You're amongst a friend who likes the movie as well. <laughs> um, I liked how he was very anxious. And I don't understand because even now Hal's like, I don't get it. You're not going anywhere. Why are you so... I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta. I don't have time for this. I don't have time. You know, um, I really liked it. It was a buck, and guess what? It was a five. So those dollar books are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Getting you hooked. Getting me hooked. Yep. And then the next book I picked up this week was Decorum by Jonathan Hickman. 
you had said to read some stuff that wasn't X-Men, mm-hmm. Jonathan Hickman. So I thought, well, this is an issue number one. I'll jump in on the to the ground floor. It's it it followed the same format as House of X and Powers of Ten. It jumps from time to time to time in three parts. And it's basically a carrier gets hired to deliver a package to I guess it's a gangster. I'm trying to do this from memory. And she's like, "What? Why does this pay triple? This is this. There, there must be something with this package. Reason why it's triple." <clears throat> and the guy's like, "Well, you're my best. You're my best. You're my best courier. So I need you to deliver it for me, right?" Is there a hot Chinese girl in the trunk? <laughs> is it the transporter? Yeah, it's the transporter. I'd never look in the trunk. It wasn't it wasn't a trunk. It wasn't a car. It was okay. an actual package. Okay. That's such a good movie. It is. I love Transporter. Um, three was crap, but okay, I digress. What? <clears throat> so Transporter Three was crap. Yes. <laughs> um So you find out what the package is, it's to kill this gangster because they um they botched a deal or they they got him in trouble and they send this lady and if there's any any ever swearing she's like we don't swear right decorum right so she kills the gangster and she kills all the gangster's men and She's like, now what to do with the courier? And then it skips ahead to another hundred years. No, just kidding. It skips ahead to some time in the future. And it has nothing to do with what I just read. So, I did like the book. Like Ryan said, I am getting tired of the prose. There's too much prose in this book. I... I I just want a story, and I want pictures to go along with my story. Well, even the prose pages look exactly like X-Men books. They do. It's it's exactly pulled like he just took a copy of, you know, let's say, the X-Men, mm-hmm. right? And he just had the artist draw something else and change the, the lettering a little bit. That's my one nitpick on it, is it was too close to... House of X and X-Men and all of that. I tell you to read The Nightly News. Came out in 2002. It was his first piece. Or Pax Romana. Because that's before he went into this prose style. And both of them are just amazing. Okay, because I'm going to give this one another shot. I'm giving it a three and a half because it had too much prose and it kind of was a, it was kind of a rip off. I'm going to give it a three and a half. I understand why they do that to try to get more information to you in a, on a page, but. Well, it was like, I was talking to Nick. I was like, so now image is doing Marvel books. <laughs> Cause is this what's happening in the universe? Cause 
or in the future in the universe not on earth you know because right. that's what it felt like yeah so i'm gonna give it a three and a half i'm gonna give it some more time i'm gonna read probably a few more issues and then we'll go from there hopefully it turns out to be a good a better book and they don't do as much prose but yeah that's what i got this week cool all right so i've got what the number seven by marvel comics and i picked this one up by i wouldn't say accident but i was looking for something else and i absolutely i stumbled across this and it's the excuse me the re the revengers versus the just a league um and so there really was a revengers is it thor led by thor Loki no. and Valkyrie? No. Uh, <laughs> none of the characters are actually... Um, here we go. So instead of Captain America, it's Charlie America. <laughs> um, Iron Man. Soar. Hawkeye. Black and Blue Panther. Uh, Quick Sliver. The Least. What a Man. She-Bulk. Visine, instead of Vision. Um, Mr. Fantastical. And at the very end it says, and the Professor and Marianne. Um, <laughs> and then the Just A-League is the Bat Mom, uh, Flash in the Pan, uh, Marshmallow Manhunter, Blue Beetle, who is actually without his mask, Sonny Bono. Um, oh my god. <laughs> Guy the Gardener. So, this is just strictly fun. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, the part that I really enjoyed was the center section, which is a story about Awful Flight. <laughs> And, oh my gosh, they, they, they're re doing a recruitment drive, and Bugs Bunny, Goofy, and Garfield, all characters not named, but you can tell who they are, shows up, and they're the bad guys for the uh, Awful Flight. It, it's such a joke comic. Um, you can't help but laugh at it. Uh, Definitely check it out if you can find a couple of issues of it. It it's funny. All right. So I wasn't sure about this next one, so I didn't do a review on the first issue. But I decided to do a review on the second issue. The writer is John Layman of Chew Fame and Outer Darkness, and the artist is Carl Mostrit, and is the man who effed up time. Who's the comic company? Aftershock. What? Um, and it's about a assistant who is working on a time traveling machine with his boss and a couple of the boss's co-workers or whatever. And he somehow figures out how to make the time machine work. <laughs> so he jumps forward in time or goes back in time to tell his past self 
how to make it work, but the time cops show up and threaten to kill him as a baby unless he fixes the time. And so now he's going back and forth through time trying to adjust what he fixed or messed up. And he keeps on ending up in a time where everybody dresses like Abraham Lincoln and rides dinosaurs. Um, is a typical John Lehman book. There's a lot of fun to it. There's a good story. Um, this is only issue two. Aftershock always runs them for about five issues. Definitely check this one out. That's what I got. Awesome. All right. For this week's The List, I wanted to do Off Topic because at the time I had been watching a lot of the High Fidelity TV series, which I can't wait for season two. Um, So we're going to do our top ten favorite albums of all time. This isn't, this is our albums, the ones that we love. So I'll go first. My number 10 is Beastie Boys, Licensed to Ill. I've been listening to that since I was in the fourth grade, man. I've always liked Paul's Boutique a little bit more. But Paul's Boutique is awesome. I had it on here because those are the two that I listen to the right. most. And I was like, but Licensed to Ill has... Here's a little story I'd like to tell Paul about three bad brothers you know so well. You know. So, it's one of my favorite songs on the album. So, um, my number nine was The Stone Roses, their self-titled debut. Number eight, Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, because that was like the album of the 80s to me. Even though it was number eight, there's another one that I thought was better. Number seven, Lou Reed. Transformer. It's got Walk on the Wild Side. And uh, number six, Pearl Jam 10. Number five, Metallica, Ride the Lightning. I just dropped my book. Number four, Nirvana, Unplugged in New York. Because it was his last performance and... He's got some non-Nirvana songs on there. Number three, David Bowie. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Number two, The Beatles, Revolver. Number one, beating out Guns N' Roses by just that little bit, is Def Leppard Hysteria. That was the first album I ever bought. No Europe? Nope. That was the first album I ever bought with my own money. You know they're big in Europe? Are they? Like, no joke. Like, I watched, uh, what was it? It was some download festival or something like that on the MTV concert channel. And they had the whole crowd of, like, like 70,000 people who knew more than just... Like, I didn't even know they had other songs. (laughs) That's my list. Did you know that the group from Kid Video was really huge in Japan? Were they? From Cartoon? Yeah. Huge in Japan. Wow. Like, (laughs) that's crazy. You want to go? No, you go ahead. Okay. All right, starting it. These are, like we all 
did were probably very personal to us. Um, number 10, Pearl Jam number 10, got me out of hip-hop, got me into rock and roll. Thank you very much, Pearl Jam. Nine Inch Nails was there, too, but I don't know. I can still listen to Pearl Jam. Nine Inch Nails, first not album, so much. not so much. I can listen to Pearl Jam all the time, 10, all the time. And number nine, Thomas Dolby, The Golden Age of Wireless. Number mm-hmm. eight, Adamant, Prince Charming. Number seven, The Naz. Number six, Bad Company. Number five, The Cars. Number four, Huey Lewis and the News Sports. Nice. Number three, Thin Lizzy, Jailbreak. Number two, nice. Stray Cats, Build for Speed. And number one, David Bowie, Space Oddity. So you like the one just before Ziggy. Yep. Nice. All right, so I kind of cheated on number 10. I did the Juno soundtrack because it's got Velvet Underground on it. It's got... Oh, Velvet Underground's awesome. It's just got such an array of different bands that I'm like, oh, this hits everything, so I'm good with this. Uh, Number nine, Surfing with an Alien by Joe Satriani. Uh, Eight, AT AT Aliens by Outkast. Uh, seven, The Belt by In the Valley Below, their first album. Um, number six, Gorillas, the gr- self-titled uh, album. Number five, Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Four, The Chronic, Dr. Dre. Who didn't listen to The Chronic? I didn't. Really? Nope. Every kid in white Midwest suburbia had The Chronic. I was in the 50s and 60s at that time. Well, makes sense. So... Um, number three, my favorite Zeppelin album of all time, The Song Remains the Same, because it's got, like, all the hits on it, extended. <laughs> um, two, Revolver by the Beatles, and then one, Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. Simon oh, Garfunkel. Man. Quite the eclectic yeah. list. Mine was, you can tell what time frame I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So, I remember the summer of 87 and 88 as Def Leppard versus Guns N' Roses for the top spot on the, the number one countdown. There was a lot that couldn't go on here. Yeah. Like, uh, Peter Cushing. Or, not Peter Cushing, but Peter Gabriel. Well, there's one. Townsend? <laughs> no. No. Like, you know, pedophile. No. <laughs> I was just looking at it for the cops. No, you weren't, Peter. No, you weren't, Peter. Um, the guy who did Major Tom, Pete, mm. Pete, Pete Schilling, was on mine, but, you know, it's in German, so it's kind of a little bit different Yeah, than trying to listen to that. Anything by Oingo Boingo? Amazing. Even their, I think it was their last album, Boingo. Boingo? That was weird. That was weird. That was very weird. I like that one, but that one is weird yeah he was he was trying to starting to creep me out later on like with the, i love little girls that was a little bit weird but oh um but no he like anything that he's done like music wise is great like i don't know why but i just love oingo boingo too we were Teresa and i were riding in the car the other day and sex type thing by stone temple pilots i had it on my i have it on my workout playlist and I'm like, this song would never fly today because he's you wearing that dress. You know you want what I got, and you shouldn't have worn that dress. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then 
I was taking her to work and Mr. Tinker Train came on by Ozzy. And the first song, line of the song is, do you want some sweeties, little girl? And I'm like, okay, so they got you with the hook and the chorus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like a lot of 90s music was beautiful, but yet really effing depressing when you listen to the, the words. Mm-hmm. It, it, gin it Blossoms. Is. Like when you're listening to Gin Blossoms, you're like, man, that guy in the Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind will get you so depressed. But it's like I, the super poppiest album of the 90s. And it's just like, damn. I am not going to lie to you. I had a hard time when grunge hit. Because I loved all the hair metal. And because it was fun. And it didn't really mean anything. And now I'm supposed to be depressed. And, you know, into my feelings. And, you know, not doing drugs. But I do drugs because I'm an artist. And. I always joke about Eddie Vedder when he first bust, burst on the scene, you know, he's like, hey, I'm Eddie Vedder. How's it going, guys? And he's like all hyper and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, like two years later, he's like, we are all like artists, man. And we need like stick together, man. And <laughs> it's like you to start taking drugs. <laughs> yeah. Go go back and watch the Saturday Night Live where they premiered. Mm-hmm. So incredible. Yeah, like, that... That's that one when you posted like, where yeah. you said, these guys sucked. <laughs> and it you was know, phenomenal. Kids today, they're like, man, this guy sucks. It's like, go back and listen to like 90s grunge music and yeah. compare it to your Billie Eilish today. Yeah. I mean, Billie Eilish is this huge thing, but she's only going to be around for like two years. Pearl Jam will last 40 more. See, with the grunge range, I, I've never been a fan of Nirvana. I actually turn the station when Nirvana comes on. I can't stand it. I don't like Pearl Jam. Okay, okay. The closest I came to liking Pearl Jam was when they did the um, Temple of the Dog with Soundgarden. I like ending Oh, I forgot about that. I did. I like Pearl Jam. They were. I like them more than Nirvana. But just give the Unplugged in New York a chance. No, you don't understand. I've listened to it. I don't like it. It's oh my god, that thing is awesome. I you know I understand why people like it. It's just it's not for me. It's not my yeah. thing. I can't. Okay, I've tried. Yeah. I mean, when with that grunge age, it, it drives me insane because you listen to like a Pandora or a Spotify '90s, and it's like Bush, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Nirvana, and throw in your third eyed blind which by the way they may have gotten better but live suck (laughs) so the guy's tone deaf yes (laughs) well he's not a good singer so i think it was just the the music and the how do you put it like the not the gravitas but the the feeling you get from it no i I I love the album he's not a good singer but he's not a good singer i got a question Hmm. smashing pumpkins yes Grunge band or rock and roll band? I think certain albums they were grunge, but right. for the most part they were rock. Right. I think Siamese Dream is a great grunge album, mm. but then when they moved off into Siamese Dream, that was more and of a rock and roll album. The, the double album yeah. they did. Yeah. The, it Melancholy. Was Melancholy and yeah. the Infinite Sadness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I am adding one more to my list. I'm doing on eleven because I can't believe I forgot about this. Until Mother Love Bone. I love Mother 11. Love Bone. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because I saw this band Prince. with Third Eye Blind. Scandal. The Wasp. band's called Fat. F-A-T. I think they only did one album. They're from Chicago. Good luck finding anything online about them. But this band is probably one of my favorite bands of all time. I can listen to that yeah. album over and over and over and over, and I never get sick of it. It's kind of that rap rock thing before it got super popular, mm-hmm. before Limp Biscuit ruined it all before for everybody. Before did it all for the Nookie. Yeah, yeah. the Nookie. But have yeah, you seen that commercial? Yes. Yeah. I love that commercial when he's walking across the street and he's like, and it's hilarious. Right before I saw that commercial, I asked my wife, I go, um, whatever happened to Fred Durst? You know, I hadn't even heard a song about it or any about him from Limp Bizkit or anything. All of a sudden it just popped in my head. Like whatever happened to Fred Durst? And then like 10 minutes later, that commercial came on. I'm like, well, that's weird. And all of a sudden he shows up on the commercial. I'm like, yep, that explains it. All right. And when your amazing guitarist leaves your band, that's the end of it. Yes. Okay. My 11 is Rush. Yes. Um, Which one? The one with Tom Sawyer. Moving Pictures. Moving Pictures. Limelight. Mm -hmm. That thing is phenomenal all the way through. I just got into them. Like I was studying, and I needed something to listen to that I've never listened to before, and I needed my brain to wake up, so I found a whole bunch of Rush albums on Amazon. Welcome to the Dark Side. And they... Fuck. I I was like, I don't get this. Nerd Rock. I don't get it at all. Nerd Rock. I was like, yeah, I get this. I get it. I, I'm listening to 2020, 21, tw- like 2112, and I'm listening to moving pictures and I've everything. Gone through their whole and it's just like album. Some of them I don't like. Some of them I really love. Their last album that they did in 2012 <laughs> is really good. <laughs> Sadly, we're not going to hear from them anymore, no. probably because Neil Pert Neil Pert passed away, passed. which so, is sad. Yep. But anyway, watch the documentary on Netflix. Yes, it's amazing. Yes. Um. What's funny, when I was looking at this list, I'm thinking of how much MTV pushed on my life. Skewed your <laughs> skewed yes. your like of music? Like, I still have a crush on Patti Smith from Scandal. It's 40 years later, and I still have a crush for do that you, woman. Do you know who my guilty pleasure is? The Go-Go's. Yeah? I have a thing for Belinda Carlisle. We don't. Yeah. It kind of like set our life. Yeah. You know? So watching them all the time on TV. Yep. I, Joan Jett, MTV I, was an access point for me. I never watched MTV until I actually no. went away from the music thing. I still have a crush on Joan Jett, even though that will never Joan, happen. That will never happen. <laughs> you know, Did you see that movie, the uh, where Michael J. Fox and her and it's yes, that was horrible. That was horrible. That was so bad. I liked it in the eighties, <laughs> so but it was horrible when I watched. Tried yeah. to watch it again. Don't I was like, it now. oh, okay, no, this. This is what I want. I wanted to have a discussion about music because it's my other love. I love comics. I love music. You know? So. Yeah. And like, music has this way of reminding you of things in your past. Yep. Like, I never watched Fast Times Ridgemont High growing up. And we went to go see it in the movie theater. And I loved that song since I was a little kid, you know, moving in stereo. And then I saw it. And then now I cannot not see. What's her name? Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates getting out of the pool. Out of the pool. Right. I had a huge... 
crush Maybe. on Phoebe Cates from Gremlins. So did I. Back as a kid. And then I got to see her come out of the pool. And I was 22 when I saw her come out of the pool. Oh, <laughs> you were 22. I was, I was, we're not going to so, talk about that. I don't want to get anybody is, in trouble with my I was family. like, what's everybody's big deal about this movie? Okay, now I know. Yeah. So, no. Music is a great, It music is one of those things you can, you're like, I can remember where I was. Like, I started a music blog and the first one I did was an album I covered I talked about was Hysteria because it's my first album I ever bought and I'm a huge Def Leppard fan there's I'm so sad that they're coming with ZZ Top and I can't afford the tickets to go see them in ZZ Top what was your first album Ryan oh I'm, I know alright set tape it was Tiffany Okay. Uh, I think we're alone now. And then followed by Ghostbusters soundtrack. Nice. Okay. CD was Spin Doctors, followed by Lenny Kravitz. Spin Doctors. Two Princess. Yep, I yep. had that too. I had it. We went to see him in concert. I think every '90s kid had that album. Them and, and Lenny Kravitz. I remember being a huge Lenny Kravitz fan back then. Mama too. said should have been on, could have been on that I'm, list. I'm I still love a it. huge Lenny Kravitz fan. Mama said was my all time favorite Lenny Kravitz. If it, you, the rest of his stuff was fine, but Mama said that was just solid all you, the way through. You should have seen the list of albums that I had, and I had to come up with ten. I could have done a hundred. Um, I'm a huge REM fan. Love REM. Uh, automatic for the people. I remember listening to that al- that album and CD over and over. That's the one with Man in the Moon and Everybody Hurts mm-hmm. and that one. Um, what's, is that the one? Uh, what's the one there where there's somebody dressed up like an angel? That's uh, that's the album before. Okay. But yeah, I, I I recently went back and started listening to early REM because mm-hmm. all I have is Green and uh, I can't remember the album before Green and Automatic for the People and Monster. And so I only have from like 90 to when they stopped. I never listened to anything previous. And they're a really good band. Mm-hmm. Really good band. So I just remembered my first albums, right? Yeah. Um, first tape was Lover Boys, Loving Every Minute of It. Loving Every Minute of It. Album was Michael Jackson's Thriller. And first CD, Bobby Brown's My Prerogative. Oh, nice. My first CD. That was a heavy-ass CD, too. Like, it, you could, took it out of the box, and it was just like, you could hammer nails with it. It was I so heavy. I didn't get a CD player until I graduated from high school. I had a lot of stuff growing up, but I didn't have. I had a tape deck and an out, uh, and a turntable. Um, so my first CD that I got was the Beatles live at the BBC because it just come out and they. This is before they re-released it, and it was a rare album. My mom just happened to find it and picked it up, and it was rare for a long time. And that's got them joking and mm-hmm. laughing and mm-hmm. doing their Christmas performances and all of that. So that was my first CD. My first cassette 
was a mixtape that my mom made me of Prince and The Police and Journey and a whole bunch of other 80s. Lionel Richie. So whenever to this day I hear Lionel Richie or Rod Stewart or The Police or Prince, I think of my mom playing the albums on in our apartment in New York City. So it's a good discussion. Any news? No? We we kinda went long on the album thing. So alright guys, well if you like what you hear, give us a like, subscribe, uh leave us a comment, leave us a review, tell a friend. Um if this show brings value to your life, how about sharing a little value with us? Any little bit helps and it goes back into the show to help make you to make a better show for you, okay? And until next week, have fun, read more comics. It's been Kirk, Ryan, and Nick. See you guys. Know, O oh Prince, that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis and the gleaming cities and the rise of the sons of Arias, there was an age undreamed of when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world like blue mantles beneath the stars. Hither came Conan the Cimmerian, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, to tread the jeweled thrones of the earth under his sandaled feet. The journey through the bitter Northlands has been long, arduous, but a certain grim-visaged Cimmerian has grown accustomed to hardship. Head nodding, almost asleep in the saddle, Conan rides through the desolate wastes, the chill wind moaning past his ear. Uh -huh. I must be more tired than I thought. For an instant I'd have sworn I heard the wind calling my name. devils. Then I wasn't dreaming. Something in the wind did call my name. Something summons me. And it is a summons too intriguing to ignore. Across the angry wastes, the young Sumerian gallops, the beckoning wind song growing ever louder until... There, horse. The moaning seems to come from that cavern. Wait here, old hard spur. Devils, this cavern is blacker than a moneylender's heart. I cannot see even my sword outstretched before me. It's as if... Welcome, Conan of Samaria. Come you closer and stand before my bubbling cauldron. Who are you, stander in shadows, that you know my name? I am Chrysilla. And there is little I do not know about you, my friend. Look into my cauldron, into the swirling mists of change, and know I speak the truth. <sighs> By the eyes of Ishtar, 
images form. Images I recognize. Look closely, Conan, and behold a babe born on a Cimmerian battlefield less than 20 winters past. A child able to lift a sword almost before he was able to walk. A youth who received his baptism of blood and fire at distant Vanaheim just one year ago. A budding man come to seek his fortune in more civilized lands. Your illusions fail to frighten me, Okron. Whatever I might one day be, I am now but a poor wandering mercenary. What do you want with me? Look into the mists of change once more, barbarian, and you will see. Mitra, never before have I seen a gem of such magnificence. It's as big around as a fat man's head, and it glitters like, like a fallen star. It is called the Jewel of the Ages, and with your help, Cimmerian, it is my intention to steal it. <laughs> Despite your mysterious manner, you're no better than I am. You're merely a cut purse in conjurer's clothing. No, barbarian. It is the sorcerer Shara Khan who is the villain here. For centuries, the Jewel of the Ages belonged to my family, until the self-serving Shara Khan who had been my father's loyal advisor, purloined the enchanted gem and cast my poor father, his king, into dark imprisonment. Conan, only you of all men have the strength of purpose, the strength of limb, to help me regain the ancient jewel and restore my father to his throne. And what am I supposed to gain from all this? What have you to offer me, shadowy one, that I would throw myself so readily into? Black wolf, as tall as a man. No, Conan, far more than a wolf. The demon beast of Shara Khan has found me at last. Then let it now find the point of my sword. weighs as much as a mountain. There. That's better. Here, old woman. Give me your hand. Let me help you to your feet as well. Huh? You're no old crone. Priscilla. You're a young woman. You see now why I need your aid, Cimmerian? A woman alone, despite my poor mystic powers, would be no match for the master sorcerer Shara Khan, but with you at my side... Again, woman, why should I involve myself in this? Granted that you're indeed a handsome-looking wench, but what else do I stand to gain? The priceless jewel of the ages. It is needed only to restore my father to his throne, and once that is done, it is yours. But before we can accomplish anything, we must return to my father's castle. And... How are we to find that place? I need only press this graven stone set into the cavern wall and... A tunnel, eh? <laughs> Woman, you're full of surprises. These ancient hills are laced with tunnels, and this one, the most secret of them all, leads home. Come, barbarian, follow me.
air is stale in here. I can fairly taste it. Be patient, Cimmerian. You'll soon develop a taste for finer things, I assure you. Oh, we've reached our destination. And about time. Slinking through dark tunnels thus makes me feel not unlike a worm. Then step through this portal, Kareem. Conan and Chrysilla enter a chamber which becomes a veritable temple. A crude stairway leads up to an ancient altar, upon which kneels a giant warrior carved of ebon stone. In its hands, the statue holds an ornate chalice, and in the chalice, upon a silken cushion, there rests... The jewel of the ages. Quickly, Conan, bring me the gem. The jewel is even more beautiful than the image you conjured. Well, back at last, are you? I've awaited your return anxiously, Chrysilla. And I see you brought along a friend. Turn this way, barbarian, and give proper greeting to your host. Shara Khan? You know me, barbarian. I'm flattered. And you, Chrysilla, do you know my companion? Father... Curse you, Shara Khan. Why have you chained him? I merely thought it appropriate, my dear, that your beloved, if doddering, parent be present to witness your most untimely demise. If there is death to be dealt here, wizard, it is I who will do the dealing. Ah, the overconfidence of youth. A shame, barbarian, you will not live to experience old age. The lean wizard merely gestures and the giant stone warrior rises to its feet. The statue is alive. By Krom, it's alive. A condition you'll not labor under much longer, my pitiful friend. We'll see who's pitiful here, sorcerer. I, barbarian. Indeed, we will. <laughs> no, Shere Khan. You can't do this terrible thing. Can't I, Priscilla? Obviously, I can do anything I want. And right now, I want your bold barbarians dead. <laughs> Back and forth across the high stone altar, the battle rages. Conan fighting savagely to survive until he chances to notice the maniacal Shara Khan and suddenly realizes... The stone warrior echoes the sorcerer's every move. As if it were a part... <clears throat> of the wizard himself. If I can defeat one, perhaps I'll have defeated them both. Do you see, Priscilla? Your barbarian's well-worn sword is useless against my champion. My giant warrior is forcing the Sumerian back, back to the very edge of the altar. One fine lunge and... Look, Shara Khan. Conan is diving between your creature's legs. The giant cannot stop its lunge in time. It's toppling over the altar's edge. No! No! The stone giant shatters into a thousand fragments. Its sound mingles with the piercing scream of Shara Khan, almost as if it had been he who fell. And in a way, it was. Bye, Eric. Shara Khan has fallen as well, his body lying twisted exactly like the shattered body of the statue. 
His sorcery was truly greater than... Huh? Priscilla. Wh what are you doing with the jewel of the ages? Put the gem down, woman. Put it down. Here, Father, take the enchanted jewel. Drink of its life-giving forces. Be whole once more. Be whole. Thank you, Priscilla. You are truly a daughter a king can be proud of. By the demons of Ishtar, what wizardry is this? Before my eyes, that shriveled old man grows younger, straighter, stronger. It is the power of the jewel of the ages, Conan. The power of life everlasting. For centuries, my family has used this mystic gem to defy death's dark forces, draining its power a bit at a time, as my father just has. Now the gem's power is drained dry at last, and without that energy to sustain it, it is not even a shining jewel anymore, but merely... Dust. The jewel has turned to dust in your hands. But you promised it to me. Forgive me, Conan, but there was no other way. It was all merely a ruse. I feared you would not help me without the proper reward. And you might well have been right, woman. But it appears I will be paid for my troubles after all. This chalice you so casually threw aside will be ample payment indeed. There is much a man can purchase with a chalice made of solid gold. Ha, 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 ha